All right, well, you can be seated. Thank you. Yes. You have those moments with Jesus sometimes, you know. But I have to speak. <laughs> well, I'm reflecting on Jesus. How many of you would love to have been able to walk with Jesus when he was here on earth? You know, to, to be able to experience his miracles and listen to his teaching. To be able to, um, to, be able to, uh, to touch his hands and, and even see his face. You know, the look in his eyes right there. It sounds just awesome, doesn't it? Only during this message series that we've been in the last few weeks, we've, we've found that not all of the words spoken by Jesus were warm and fuzzy. You know, not all of them made people feel real good and put them in a good mood. Some of the words confused people, angered people, even alienated them and served to push people away. And, and I wonder if any of us were there with Jesus, if we would have had the same doubts and questions, some of the same concerns and confusions that so many others had that were there. Well, today we're going to be looking at some of those difficult words that Jesus spoke. And, um, and they have to do with the areas of temptation and sin. All right, we get to talk about temptation and sin. Yay, my favorite. <laughs> right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. How about you? I tell you what, everybody turn to the person next to you and maybe just tell them your top three temptations and sins. Go ahead. and <laughs> You're laughing and not doing it. This will be fun. Try it. Yeah. So maybe not so much fun. It's interesting that an area that is so enticing that can draw so attractively can also be so flat out embarrassing and, and maybe even shameful. Isn't that interesting? At least here at church, we wouldn't want to admit that sin is a part of our lives, or at least specifically, we know it's there. So I want to ask you a different question instead. What is it that stands between you, where you are right now, and the life that God wants for you, and, and even where you want to be yourself in your life? Would it be fair to say that temptation and sin would have a part to play in that, maybe a big part to play? And then here's another question. Are you interested in sinning less and sinning less, ultimately, that's becoming more like Jesus and getting closer to God. And so I think today, if you answered yes, then, then today will be good. Uh, if not fun, it'll be good. <laughs> because Jesus has some very specific ideas on how to get there. Uh, but before we look at Jesus' words on, about sin and temptation, we'll unpack some of those things. I, I kind of want to set the battleground, uh, define the battle. And, and this is definitely a battle. And here's where you can talk... Start taking notes if you want to follow along in your outline here. Here's, here's where we'll jump into that. Uh, defining the battleground, you can write down temptation and sin. No secret here. This is a battleground. We want to define it, not just mention it, but define a little bit. You see, it, it says in James 1, verses 14 and 15, it says this, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Uh, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth, in, birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Well, here's what I want to make sure that we understand early on today, that temptation is not sin. They're two different things. When a bad thought jumps into your mind, it seems to appear seemingly out of nowhere. That's temptation, but it isn't yet sin. Okay, I want to clarify that. These verses in James say that temptation, when that thought is entertained, when it is dwelled on, it, it gives birth to sin, and sin leads to death. So here's this progression that we, we see that temptation and sin... And death, and it's a, it's a progression that often happens. When temptation appears, we have the opportunity to deal with it in a godly way, or we can fall to temptation, entertain it, and it becomes sin. 
Okay, I just want to make sure that's clear because sometimes a thought comes in and we feel guilty about it. I thought this thought. That's temptation. What did you do with the thought, right? See, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that when temptation comes, God provides a way of escape for us. Through the power of Jesus, temptation doesn't have to become sin. Okay, temptation is not sin and it doesn't have to become sin. I think that's great news to hold on to in my daily life, don't you? Right there, it's right there, something to hold on to. So, so now that we have that basic understanding, I just wanted to make sure we were clear on that. I want to take a look then at Jesus' flat-out crazy extreme words about temptation and sin. Are you ready? We're going to be looking at two sets of verses to kind of flesh things out. First, Jesus speaks to us in the book of Matthew, found in Matthew 5, uh, starting in verse 27. And Pastor Ron had a chance to read this a little bit earlier on. But Jesus says this. It's in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, he says, You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Nod, yes. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Mm. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. And throw it away. For it is better, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Now Jesus speaks some similar words in Mark, Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 43. Again, it's in your outline and on the screens, or you can open in your, your Bible. It says, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. <laughs> All right. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. I remember Pastor Ron a couple weeks ago brought a scalpel and a, and a knife on stage making a point about something else. And I thought, do we bring it again? That could not be pretty up here. Cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, here you go again. Gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Yikes. Good response over there. Yikes. If you didn't say it, you maybe thought that. Now, did you notice that Jesus is using extreme words here? Did did you catch that? (laughs) It's hyperbole. He doesn't really ask us to cut off our hands and our feet, gouge out our eyes. Does he? If so, today could get really ugly. Jesus must be working hard to make a point. But what is he making a point about? It's temptation and sin. These are major issues, and they need to be dealt with in major ways. So, so let's unpack these verses a bit to see how they can help us in our daily lives, way beyond just making us feel guilty, because that is not the point, feeling guilty about sin and, and temptation that leads to sin in our lives, but, but having a course of action. We said that this battle is against temptation and sin, and to be successful in any battle, it, it's helpful to, uh, to know what we're up against and also to have an effective strategy. So today we're going to look at what I need to know for this battle and then what I need to do. Okay, so what I need to know is a couple of things and then a couple of things that that we can do. First of all, what I need to know, temptation and sin, I need to know this. It can derail your life for now and eternity. It's a big deal. Okay, temptation and sin can derail your life for now and eternity. It's a big deal. Have you ever seen pictures of a train derailed? Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever seen one, you know, in person, that'd be crazy. It's a pretty messy thing. And, and that's really what we're dealing with here. Jesus is using these extreme words when he talks about temptation and sin because he wants to get our attention in a really big way. He, he wants to get our attention. He, he wants us to stop and say, what? What? Chop off my hand, my foot, gouge out my eye? Are you kidding me? That's just crazy. 
It's what he wants. He wants that kind of response. Jesus is saying, you need to pay some big time attention to this area of temptation and sin because it's absolutely a matter of life and death. It's a big deal. Now, you may think that Jesus is being ridiculous, that he's grossly overstating the situation in order to get our attention. Did he get your attention? Okay, but it's more than that. Maybe he's also doing it to get our compliance through fear. You know, it's, maybe it's kind of like a parent telling their kids to, you know, stay in bed or the monsters under your bed will eat you, you know, at night trying to get their kids to stay in bed. Make up a story that will, ki- that will get the kids to be obedient, right? Kind of make something up. But see, Jesus is perfect, and he can't lie, so that means he's, he's serious here, right? If you don't deal with this seriously and immediately... He's saying it will lead to a life that you regret that is far less than God intends for you. And it can even lead to an eternity apart from God if you haven't truly given your life to Jesus. This is more than just throw it out there to get your attention. And it's more than just, oh, yeah, right, Jesus is, you know, being extreme. And you just kind of discard it, you know. Pay attention. This can derail you. And it can affect you in a huge way. We need to know that. Second, in battling temptation, we need to know that this will be a lifelong battle. You can't ignore it. It won't go away. (laughs) It's not one of those things to disappear. And one reason Jesus makes such a big deal about this is that he knows that temptation and sin are not seasonal issues, right? They come and go and up and down over seasons and time, but it's not like you can kind of tread water, just barely survive for a while, and pretty soon it'll get easier and go away. It doesn't work that way, does it? It won't. Temptation to sin isn't going to go away until after you die. You write that in your notes? (laughs) You already did. It's a big deal, and it's here. Now, some of us like to deal with difficult difficult things in life by not dealing with them, right? You know, I'll just kind of shove it over here in a corner, and and maybe, maybe if I ignore it long enough, it'll go away. Now, that may work for a few things in life, not for most things, by the way, and certainly not for temptation and sin. In fact, ignoring it... Ignoring them is a guaranteed way to crash and burn on a regular basis. Have you found that to be true? Ignoring it isn't going to do it. We're in this battle for life, so it's better to be equipped. Now, I know this sounds real negative, but it's true. But I do want to offer you some encouragement at this point. It can get easier as you mature as a Christian in your Christian life. So you can take some comfort in that. As we learn to rely on the Holy Spirit who comes into us when we, when we uh, ask Jesus to forgive us and lead our lives, we can make some headway in this battle. It's just not going to stop, but it can get easier. There's some comfort. So, so be aware. And, and by the way, when I say it can get easier as you mature, I'm talking about maturing in your faith, not maturing in your age. This isn't one of those things that just kind of, well, it gets less as I get older. Physical age isn't the key to this one. Okay. Third, in battling temptation, we need to know that without the supernatural guidance and power of the Holy Spirit working in you, you don't have a chance. Okay? We need the supernatural guidance and power of the Holy Spirit working in us. We don't have a chance. See, if today I simply gave you a series of self-help steps on how to overcome temptation at sin, it might be effective for a few minutes or hours. It might even stretch into some days for you. But ultimately, if you rely on those self-help steps to be the answer, you're going to fail and fail big. The step, listen, the step of overcoming sin and the penalty of sin for all time, 
That was Jesus' work on the cross. This huge problem of sin and the penalty of sin for all time. Jesus took care of that at the cross. He did it, and we receive it when we give our lives to him. Okay, that's the big picture. Now, when it comes to overcoming temptation and sin a day at a time, that's Jesus' work in you. His, his work on the cross took care of sin and the penalty of sin as we take a hold of that. Then the day-to-day work that happens, that's Jesus' work in you. You couldn't save yourself from the penalty of sin, the big picture. Jesus did that. So why do we then think as followers of Jesus that we need to try to overcome the daily temptation uh, and sin moments on our own? We just can't. Well, I'll just try harder. All right? It will take Jesus' work in you. That's an understanding that we need to understand and then submit to. Again, it's that, it's that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 verse I referred to earlier. God provides a way of escape when you are tempted. God does that, not through your good hard work, right? We need to allow him to lead us, all right? At the same time, we have a part in this through God's leading. And so we want to then move from the things I need to know in order to successfully battle temptation. And then move, because uh, that's the beginning of our strategy, right? Our battleground strategy. But then it doesn't stop. We need to move to what do we need to actually do in order to successfully battle temptation. We need to know those things and certainly submit to the Holy Spirit in us as a follower of Jesus if you've made that decision. But then there's some things that I can do. And first of all, what I need to do is to back the train up. We talked about getting derailed. So one thing you can do is back the train up and identify your paths, your paths that lead to temptation and sin. Back the train up. Identify the paths that lead to temptation and sin. See, here's the deal. Most of us are tempted in areas that are repeated, right? You kind of have those areas. Occasionally a new one pops up, but they, and they take different forms, but they kind of tend to hit us in those areas. And when we're tempted and fall asleep in a particular area, the devil takes notice, right? And our flesh responds. So when we fall into that same temptation repeatedly, pretty quickly a little rut can start to develop, right? We kind of start traveling path that so many times that all of a sudden it starts to become a path and becomes a rut. It's a rut or pathway that makes it easier to fall to that same temptation again in the future because the path has been traveled. I started thinking about it. Years ago, I did some uh, traditional cross-country skiing and... um, have you ever done that? You know, Nordic seeing the traditional kind, they, they put those, those tracks or those grooves, really I'll call them ruts, you know, into the snow that's prepared for you so that you can kind of, you know, ski in the correct way as well as keep it pointed in the right direction. But if you're an inexperienced Nordic skier, which was me and would still be me, I've just been a few times, it's, it, it's kind of fun to get in those tracks and get going, but it's real hard to get out of them. You know what I mean? It starts going like downhill or something and you kind of want to stop. See ya. You know, it's just like all of a sudden these ruts that are there, they can be really difficult to get out of. And, and you almost become a prisoner of the ruts. And that's exactly how sin can work. Those ruts can make you prisoners. So if we want to battle sin at the temptation level, we need to not just focus on the sin we commit where it ends. We need to start backing things up. And we want to identify the path that leads to sin. That way we can avoid getting trapped in the ruts, right? We need to get, do, take a look at that ahead of time. Now, let's be honest. Most of the time when we fall to temptation and sin, we can see it coming because we've seen it before uh, in the same way or at least a similar way. So again, back the train up, see the past, see the process. So I want to take a fairly inexcentic example that we can maybe laugh at a little bit because, you know, sin and temptation hits pretty close to home for all of us. So say you have a weakness for donuts. Actually, that hit close to home for some of you already, right? (laughs) Okay, but see, we can still laugh at donuts, right? So let's say that you've decided that donuts are bad for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> you decided that. Okay, they're bad for you, and you are not going to eat any more donuts again. Never again. Not going to do it. No donuts. Not a part of my life. But whenever you drive by that donut shop in the morning on the way to work, it, it smells so good. And that morning when you didn't take time to eat breakfast, you know, and you drove by the donut shop, and that warm, chocolate-glazed, old-fashioned donut seemed to be calling your name. And you found yourself, mmm, stop it. <laughs> you made that decision. Donuts are not going to do it. But you find yourself turning into the parking lot, rationalizing that just this one time isn't going to be that big of a deal. And you find yourself buying one, or maybe one dozen, because you're going to share at the office. <laughs> and you're rationalizing again, aren't you? Right. So let's pause here. Do you see the path in the example? Driving by the donut shop, strike one. Having your windows rolled down so that you can smell the donuts. And I know because after all, you can enjoy the smell without any of the guilt or calories, right? So that was okay. Only that was strike two, the smell. And strike three was skipping breakfast in the morning. So your stomach is growling at you, strike three. Now, I purposely chose a silly donut example so you can smile and laugh about it. Um, a little bit, but what does this look like for you in your real life? Looking at, oh, donuts, I fell again, backing up and saying, what, what happened there? What happens regularly that puts me in a spot where temptation starts coming after me in a big way? Okay, so, so we can take a look at our real lives, and some of you are saying, that donut example, that is real life for me, <laughs> okay? But, but something else, when you see temptation lead to sin consistently, ask yourself some questions. When does it most often happen? What time of the day or night does it most often happen? What day of the week, maybe? What's my fatigue level like? What's my emotional state? Am I spiritually close to God, or is that reflected in in what's going on? The status of my relationships with my friends and my spouse, with my family, does that affect this? You start asking the questions that say, what, what things are in place that lead to what ends up being something I wish I didn't do? Okay, what things are in place when this temptation comes and leads to sin. The key here is don't just focus on the sin, focus on the process, okay? And then once you back the train up and identify the pathway, you can move to the second thing, which is to chart a new course, to chart a new course. Take steps to deal with it ahead of time. Chart a new course. That's the next, uh, there we go. Chart a new course. Take the steps to deal with it ahead of time. So we see the old course say, that isn't working. Well, it's working. It's just not getting me where I want to go, right? So I need to do something else. And so I need to, ahead of time, before I get stuck in the ruts, you know, move, your, move to cut yourself off from the source of temptation. And to make that plan ahead of time is key. Because, you know, once you're shooting down the pathway, once you are in the rut, it's usually too late. You know, you are on your way. You're going down that cross country. You know, you, I'm stuck. And you're just hoping to survive, right? Well, here's the point that Jesus is making with his words of cutting off your hand or your foot or gouging out your eye. Almost no action is too extreme when it comes to dealing with temptation and sin because of how it affects us, as he says so clearly. Almost no action is too extreme when it comes to dealing with temptation and sin. Jesus says, take this seriously. It's not a small part of life. It's what determines the very course of your life, the effectiveness of your life, the satisfaction of your life, even the success of your life. It's a big deal. Now, in our donut example, here's what this looks like. I need to chart a new course so I don't fall into the deadly donut ruts, so to speak, right? So number one, I will determine to drive to work a different way so that I don't drive past the donut shop, right? 
or any other donut shop. I see what you're thinking. (laughs) Now, in our town, that's maybe not so tough to do if you're here in town because donuts, from what I hear, are a little scarce to come by, right? You know, in terms of good... But but you understand what I'm saying. Okay, donut shop here, 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 and I'm going to need to drive around. And and it may be inconvenient, but we're going to talk about that in our next point. But that's step number one. I'm not going to drive by the donut shop. Number two, I will leave my windows up. I will put an air freshener in my car. I will not open myself up to the smell of donuts or maybe of any food, certainly while I'm driving in my car, if that's where I find that that it happens, right? Okay, number three, I will be sure to eat a big, healthy breakfast at home every morning, so at least that part is working for me. See what I'm saying? We're starting to do a new course. Make sure I'm not hungry. Don't go near the donut shop. Don't open myself up to the smells, because when those things start happening, I get in the rut and donuts happen. Number four, I may go so far as to recruit an accountability partner to help me, and I will empower them to ask me not just about my donut consumption, but about the change steps that I plan to take. How are you going to drive to work? Did you drive to work that way? How did that go? Those sorts of things. A partner to work with you here. Having someone partner with me in overcoming temptation, sin can be powerful. Scripture talks about that in many places. If you want to overcome it enough, that's worth doing. See, Jesus is saying when it comes to ongoing temptation and sin, remove what needs to be removed if it's big enough. If it's a big enough stumbling block, remove it. Get rid of it. So here's what this might look like beyond the donut example. Guys, let's say you have a pornography problem. Statistics say it's a huge percentage of men in our country that have this problem, at least some of it. And you recognize it as a serious problem and you'd like to deal with it. So... If you fall to temptation, usually at night, when you did that little analysis, don't stay up late. What measures do you need to put in place so that you aren't staying up late? If the internet and your computer is the problem, (laughs) put a strict filter on the computer maybe. Maybe download a program that will alert someone else when you access a website that will compromise your decision to change. Let me ask you, what would be too extreme of an action to take in order to overcome this temptation and sin in this example? Move your computer into an open room in your home so you're less likely to hide. Uh, put a password on your computer so you can't access, access the internet without your wife or someone else logging in for you. And then you commit to only stay online when someone else is around. I mean, I'm just trying to put things in place and say, well, some of these things, come on, John, I'm not 15 years old anymore. I know, and we're sinning like crazy. So what do I need to put in place to make this happen? I don't care how old you are, how old I am. What's too extreme? Jesus said, cut off your arm. That sounds pretty extreme. Cut off your leg. Gouge out your eye. Do whatever it takes. And to me, that suggests things like in this computer pornography situation, get rid of your computer if you need to. I could never do that. Better than chopping off an arm. Is that too extreme? (laughs) Do whatever it takes. Maybe just get rid of the internet. I could never survive. What were we doing 25 years ago? Hmm, not possible. It may be tough, but I think it is possible. You just need to decide if it's preferable to staying lost in the world of temptation and sin or finding the better life and and the new and fulfilled life that God promises us and a close relationship with God. It might mean lose the cable or satellite TV. Ditch the smartphone for a dumb phone that can't access the junk that tempts us you can get by with a dumb phone what will it take 
I'm being radical here, but I'm not wielding a knife or something else like that. Apply that to the areas of your life. I picked one. You know, gals will let you off easy. Maybe pick something that's more of a struggle for guys than girls. But do you see what I'm saying? It, it, what's too extreme? You see, this leads us to the third action step. We identify the past that often lead to sin. We choose to chart a new course. And then, number three, be willing to pay the price now so you don't pay the price later. Be willing to pay the price now and do the hard work now so you don't pay it later. See, I think Jesus is making clear that dealing with temptation sin now, it is going to cost you. It's going to cost you, in essence, even a hand or a foot or an eye. But Jesus is clearly saying, pay the price now. It's worth it. Cut yourself off from the source of temptation and momentary pleasure, and it will be worth it in the long run. It will be worth it as you're able to have a new and a fresher and a deeper relationship with God because sin is what gets in the way. Now, in our donut example, because I said it's going to cost you. It is going to cost you, but pay the price now. In the donut example, if you take all those avoidance steps we talked about, it's going to be inconvenient. It may take longer to get to work. It may use a little more gas. You might even have to leave for work a little earlier, which means getting up earlier in the morning, and you value your sleep. I know you do. You may have to get up even earlier to be sure you have the time to make and eat that good breakfast that we talked about. Oh, no, even earlier. Sleep, you know, lovely sleep, and that stinks. But long term, it's worth it. Making some drastic changes in life to deal with those pathways to sin, your areas of temptation and sin, not just a donut story. They will cost you. Okay, you ready? Truth. It's going to cost you convenience. It's going to cost you comfort. It's going to cost you maybe financially, maybe socially. It's going to, it's going to cost something, but it's sure better than cutting off your hand. It's sure better than gouging out your eye. And I'd say it's a bit better than missing God's best for you in life. And certainly better than spending an eternity in hell separated from God. Talk, talk about that in a second. Final fill in the blank, because it's kind of decision time and action time, because we heard the words, we laughed at donuts a little bit, we kind of maybe dealt with our own personal issues or didn't, but now you, you're invited to deal with your personal issues. What's your next step in this battle? I didn't say write down your temptations and sin. That could be, get embarrassing. That becomes a share with your neighbor. But what's your next step? It might be, I haven't even identified the past. I need to do that. It might be, I kind of know the past, but I sure don't want to, What is it going to be? What is it going to be? There is a next step in your battle, something that, that, and maybe it sounds extreme, but God says, chance it, chance it with me, and I'm going to make that happen. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've received his forgiveness and leadership already, then God is leading you right now to a decision of action uh, for your life in dealing with temptation and sin. So I'd ask, what is he leading you to do? And if you've not yet given your life to Jesus, uh, this is your first time in church, or you've been coming, but you know the whole Jesus thing, Maybe hasn't come into your heart. You haven't internalized it. If, if you've not pet yet put your faith and trust in him, I have to be honest and tell you the next step for you is the first step in dealing with sin. And that's simply allowing Jesus to deal with it for you and receive his gift of forgiveness and his love and new life in him. I think all of us either literally or figuratively could write something on that line. And let's pray together. Lord, I wish Jesus hadn't said what he said. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I guess I do. 
it's easy for me as a follower of, of Jesus, Lord, to discard that statement is too extreme. And, and I know I have all forgiveness in Jesus, so what does it really matter? And yet, Jesus knew he was talking to us today. He wasn't just talking to the people of his day. And he knew he was talking to, to every person who struggles, everybody, because we all struggle with this temptation and sin issue. So, Father, I just pray today for, for right now, there's, there's two groups of people here. Uh, this first group, Father, those of us that have made a decision to follow Jesus, we know that you forgive sin, Lord. We know that this is a lifelong battle, God. We don't want to give up. God, we want to experience you in a new way. We desire that close, intimate relationship with you, and it is sin that gets in the way. Holy Spirit, we need you to do your work of transformation, of leadership and guidance, of giving us the power and desire to be able to, to push away and, and deal with this these ruts, Lord. You have a choice to respond today. And if you're sitting here today and you've not, you're not sure in your life that you've actually given it all over to Jesus ever, then that's your choice you can make today. And you can right now put your faith and trust in Jesus. It's not a, a set of magic words, but it's simply admitting that you do sin, <laughs> that there's sin in your life, that you've, you've gone against what God wants. And then you, you put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him and letting him take the penalty of sin, the death for you. You pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me. And now lead my life. Take away the penalty of sin and help me in my day-to-day -day walk as sin tries to grab a hold. Lord, we love you. We need your power <laughs> in this, Lord, daily. In Jesus' name, amen.